Ben Jawalski, what's going on, my man? Yo, yo, yo. Just got back from Austin. Did you just get back today? When'd you get back? Late last night. So it feels all my stuff is strewn about my house. I haven't unpacked officially yet. What airline did you fly? United. Oh, I'll say out loud that American can suck it as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) Yeah, I've flown American once this year and I texted Liz. I was just like, let's like never book American again because they... They've had me on like a, they had me trying to catch a connecting flight in Chicago in like 35 minutes and no, none of the flights were delayed and they they thought it was a possible scenario. And I sprinted all out, like probably set a two mile run PR from where I landed and where they pulled into the gate to catch my connecting and made it like, as the doors were closing, I was like, there's there are only people who are much, much faster than me would be able to make that flight. That is the only, only people. So that's why we do CrossFit to make connecting flights in O'Hare airport. Yeah. Well, uh, they, they canceled my flight down there uh, due to high winds, which I'm fine with. Like I don't like flying high winds anyway, but uh, I didn't get into Dallas until late, as you know. And then uh, I said to spend the night in Dallas, which I wasn't prepared for and fly in the next morning. That flight was delayed and then they canceled 200 flights on Sunday and come to find out because there's a news, news article on it that, uh, you know, they laid off a bunch of people during the pandemic and they've never staffed back up. And so anytime they have any kind of little blip in the system, it throws everything in a disarray and it was just a nightmare. So I had to rebook on Delta or buy a new ticket on Delta and they were great. So Delta rocks, American can suck it. So there you go. Fun weekend our, though. I enjoyed our podcast it. podcast will get shut down due to libel. Um, <laughs> that's not liable they can suck it it's nothing yeah real. it's in my personal opinion that's all you have to say it's what i yeah. learned from james smith the other day he's like oh yeah you can see anything on the internet as long as you say in my own personal opinion Yeah. well in my own personal opinion american airlines can suck it there that's, you go that's how all right, we're feel. in the clear now um yeah. yeah amazing weekend man i had a great time hanging out with you meeting a lot of scale and bill listeners yeah it was fun i uh i was um Pleasantly surprised by the venue. I thought the venue was really nice. I thought the events were good. Strongman stuff was interesting to see. Um, and yeah, getting to hang out and, and meet a bunch of people. We met a lot of people at our, we'll talk about our sponsor. We met a lot of people at the sponsor booth at UCAN, which was uh, always fun and uh, got to see all their product. And I took a bunch of their product yesterday, by the way, because I did your wide prep open three workouts in a single day. And so yeah. I was... <laughs> Let me tell you, let me tell you how I use you can, and we'll work it into my conversation about the open. So because we were traveling, I obviously wasn't able to do all your workouts and I had only done two of the five. And then I got back on Sunday and I was wasted, dude. Like I was so tired on Sunday because I'd flown all day. I didn't get home till, you know, five 30 had gotten up at five 30 that morning. And I'm like, I can't work out today. I'm just going to take a rest day. So I was trying to decide, do I just bail on all these workouts? Do I do the true scale and bail and just bail or do I do them? So I'm like, all right, I'm going to do them. So I've done enough, you know, I haven't done a ton of comps, but I've done enough to understand, kind of understand the nutrition side of it. So I had a good lunch or lunch. I thought I would need to get through kind of the heavy lifting of workouts in the evening. And then I came home, uh, I ate one of the, you can salted peanut bars, uh, beforehand and you know kind of get fueled up on that and then uh did three of the workouts i did the 20 minute one the uh 12 minute one and then the one that was for the 
whichever one it was that was for time the yep. the one i had to redo because i don't know how to do hang snatches <laughs> or hang dumbbell snatches so it basically equated to 40 minutes worth of work give or take so i did the ucan bar before the 20 minute wide when that one was over i went and got one of those ucan squeezies and yep. and a can of o2 and i slammed the o2 and slammed the squeezy gave myself about 20 or 30 minutes in between workouts and hit the second one Wow. And, uh, and yeah, I got through them and I finished third in your open. So I'm on the podium. Where's my prize. That's what I want to know. Oh, you forgot to read that. We don't do prizes. We do random prizes. So unless you're randomly drawn. Well, that kind of randomly sucks because I'm on the podium. I want to pull well, you can, and a trophy. You can always go to like a, um, you know, like an award shop, like a trophy shop and just tell them which trophy to make you say wad prep. 2021 wad prep October open third place. And then with, you know, all the other qualifiers scaled 50, what is it? 50 to 54. That's what it was. 50 to 54. There you go. And just get all, just get all fitted, squeeze it all under the trophy and then get whatever trophy you want. Or a prize or something for finishing third. <laughs> so hook a brother up. Well, well, special shout out to you, Can, for getting me through that foolishness because um, it was absolutely 40 minutes worth of work, three wads back to back to back. And uh, I don't encourage anyone to try that. It was, but it was fine. It was the scale division. So I lived. And uh, if you guys also want to try that, use our code scale. Uh, go to you can or you can.co, use our code scale. You get 20% off. Stuff's great. And powered me through, man. Power me through. I did have a question about your open though. Why do you do five workouts instead of four? Like it just seems like a lot for a week. Like it really kind of takes up, you know, it completely takes over your training week. So is there a reason why you guys do fives? It just, we're just going to have to blame CJ. Um, I'd say the reason we're doing five is because that's kind of the standard that the open set for a while, the actual CrossFit open. Right. Um, so now I guess it's like three or four, depending on the year. Um, right. So no, I think it's just typically people are doing, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, rest Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Like, I think that was the, right. the idea. Yeah, no, it makes sense. I mean, look, I, I liked the workouts. I thought they were accessible. You know, I could do them all at home, which I did. Um, and none of them left me wrecked. Although admittedly, because I did three in one day, I didn't go to that red line on any of those three where I could have pushed much harder than I did. I sure. just knew I had other workouts coming up. Sure. Um, but I thought they were well programmed. There wasn't anything that when it was over, I'm like, Oh my God, I'm not gonna be able to walk tomorrow, which I sometimes feel like after the CrossFit open. So yeah. from that, from that aspect, I really liked it. So yeah, well, that's good. Good to hear. We had a bunch of people participate. I don't know what the official members were, but it seemed like people all over the world were having a lot of fun with it. So appreciate everybody who's listening that joined and I hope you had a good time. Yeah, I bet they did. I, uh, I had a good time with it. I, I think the other thing that we need to talk about today is that clown car you had over the weekend in Dallas. So we're or in uh, Austin. So what everybody missed, if you weren't looking at my story, Ben rents this little Fiat. It was that what it was. It was a Fiat, right? It was a little Fiat, Fiat 500E. So it was yeah, a little tiny, basically go-kart slash golf cart 
that is street legal. It's yeah. this little tiny Fiat. Here's what you should think about. That's the kind of car that people in Texas put in the back of their pickup trucks to have as a spare. Like yeah. that's how small this thing is. For it's, sure. It's absolutely tiny and it's electric in oil country. Like what the hell are you thinking? And, <laughs> and it, what was the range on that thing? It was like a hundred miles. Is yeah. That right? The ra- that was the issue is I, you know, didn't realize that the range was, uh, was like 98 miles. And to get to the event, I think it was like a, for me, cause I was staying in downtown Austin, it was like a, almost like a 30 mile drive. So if I had a full charge, I could make it there and back and then be left over with, you know, like 40 miles, but rarely did I have a full charge because my Airbnb didn't have a plug for me to plug it into. Like normally if I had an, if I had a wall outlet, I could plug it into overnight. None of these issues would have happened, but I didn't, but I didn't also feel like parking away. And house, yada, yada, yada. Long story short is that there was one particular day where I just said, screw it. I just want to get to the event and I'll worry about the charging later. Uh, and then I did run into some charging issues. Yeah, well, it was an issue. So Ben's giving me a ride back to my hotel and we have no charge on the car. I think we had like 10 miles. And so we drove five of those 10 miles to get to the nearest charging station, which was promptly not working. Yeah. And so Ben starts Long looking around point. at buildings for exterior outlets and plugs this thing into a credit union. <laughs> like, yeah, thank hell, God man? they thank God they have like Christmas lights at some point. So they installed these outdoor plugs. And I parked overnight on Saturday into Sunday at A plus credit union. They're an official sponsor because they paid for probably maybe like four dollars worth of electricity to charge my car. Thank you so much. A plus credit union in some random town in Texas for letting me use your charge. And then also I spent lots of money on Ubers that night getting home. What would you have done if someone had stolen the charging cable? Uh, it doesn't, when the car is locked, it locks in the cable. So they can't, there's nothing they can do. Yeah. People, they, they thought through a couple things and they made electric cars. Just Forgot to think about the range on that one. I'll say maybe they should have thought through getting a thing of farther range than here to the end of the street. That would have probably helped you. It would, if, if everything was like local to Austin, it would have been perfect. That thing was, I just, I would rip that thing around corners, make it drift. Cause it was just, it has tons of torque. But anyway, dude, yes, I'm, that was, that was a good time. We just got to hang out more, man. It was a good time. I, I know out there in, Colorado, you guys are really concerned about the environment and there's probably a charging station on every corner. But when you're down in a state where they quite literally drill for oil, you should probably just rent an F-150 and just rev that engine as loud as you can. Now that Elon Musk lives in Austin, finally, finally, Texas is going to get some charging stations. Why you should, you'd see, you didn't tell me this. You should just call Elon. I'm sure you I guys should've. are buddies. You own a Tesla. You guys are buddies. That I, you know, I, forgot, I, I forgot his number, man. I forgot to save it in my phone. <laughs> he, he was bugging me a couple of years back to get a Tesla, and I did. And then I just forgot to save his number. Oh, my Lord. All right. He's like, well, we want to add you to, your, to our Instagram influencer sponsorship package, which is where I buy a car at full price and then still post about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I think all Tesla owners, Tesla owners are like vegans or CrossFitters. You just have to talk about it. You have to just have to talk about Teslas and they look I great. Know, it's far superior to other cars. It's just, you know, every just- urge I had 
to buy an electric car went away when we had to call an Uber to Ubers away from your electric car. <laughs> that was so funny. Cause you were like, like, I think the first day when I picked you up, you're like, all right. Yeah. Like that sounds really cool. You know, like electric cars are nice. And then by the end, I know for sure. You're like, gas is great. I love gas cars. Yeah. I know where I stand with a gas car. I know <laughs> where I stand. All right. Hey, let's jump into questions. So we got questions from listeners. Um, got four of them. I think they're all, they should be relatively brief, but they all are pretty impactful. So let's see the first one here. Uh, comes from Elazar. I'm assuming it's how it's pronounced. Elazar Lloyd says, Hey John, just want to say scale and bell podcast is phenomenal. Thanks. Uh, my fiance introduced me to CrossFit a year ago and thanks to her, I've lost close to a hundred pounds. Damn. That's pretty awesome. Uh, pretty amazing. Here's my question for scale and bail. Got any advice regarding rowing and various techniques for it? All right, Ben, give me your best row advice. Watch my YouTube video. (laughs) (laughs) I know it's just so hard to explain the positioning here via audio. Um, And we actually do have like, I think it's called like the five top rowing mistakes or something like that. Like we have a very, very well-produced rowing video, but probably the most common couple things that I see on the rower are first of all, when, when people finish the drive or what do we want to say? Finish the pool, I guess is what we say. Some, a lot of people I remember, they, they think they need to lean back really far. So they lean back really far. And then they pull the handle all the way to their chin, um, which isn't a very powerful position. So one of the first things is that in terms of form for rowing, Leaning back too far is a common issue and pulling the handle too high. And then another really common one is the, like the catch or the, um, the recovery of the row. When you're going back to bend your knees, when you're letting the, the handle come back down to, to what's called the catch position, which is like where it's closest to the erg, that oftentimes is a very nasty. Um, it's a place where a lot of people lose a lot of energy on the recovery, the recovery, again, it's like you're done the pool and then you're going back down for your second one, trying to make sure that everything is happening in a straight line and in order. And then the, and what I mean by that is like a lot of times, like the handle is kind of like all over the place. You're moving it around the chain slapping. It's just, it shouldn't, it should actually, the the tighter the movement and the, the more controlled that seems, that means all of your power here theoretically is going into the erg. Um, And then the third this is probably the biggest one is the order in which you operate the machine. So let's see legs, hips, arms, arms, hips, legs. And what that means is like, I'm extending my legs. So this is the drive portion or the pool portion. I extend my legs. And then once my knees are, are nearing full lockout, I start to lean back and open up my hips. And then once my hips are open a little bit, then I finish with the pull of my arms. Then to recover, a lot of people will start bending their knees right away. You actually just want to reverse what you just did. So to recover, it's immediately arms back. So arms, lean forward, hips, and then your knees bend and you're back into that recovery position or the catch position. So that order, uh, knees, hips, arms, arms, hips, knees. That's the order of operations. And if you can get can nail those few things, then your rowing's going to be pretty solid. 
Yeah. And the only things I, I would add to that, because I do all the things you mentioned, I do. I'm a big proponent of the no wiggle to the chain. Like for me, it's almost a mental thing, but it is a power move to make sure that chain's going in and out straight and not going side to side or up and down. And so it allows me to focus on something other than how dreadful I feel at that individual moment. <laughs> I just focus on that chain and the path of it. Uh, and I also know because I've done it long enough that it's giving me more power and allowing me to you know kind of stay where I want to stay. I look at two things. So I look at the, what you're mentioning that, that, uh, legs, arms, knees movement. I do that. And then I do it in a certain, with a certain amount of timing, meaning I physically count. I often will go one, two, three, one, two, three. So that's, so I know it's legs, arms, knees, right. And, and it allows me to set my stroke rate, you know, um, and that's, so that's helpful for me. And that's a little different for everyone, depending on how tall you are, how fast you want the stroke rate to be. So you can count as slow or as fast as you want. Um, you know, it just, it really depends on the person and, and that will also help you determine how much power you're putting in. So if you're working at a really low stroke rate, maybe the knees portion of this, you're pushing really hard. If you're moving at a fast stroke rate, it's not going to feel like you're, you know, you're, you're pushing your knees faster, not harder necessarily, at least for me. Mm-hmm. Um, the other, and so that's the other part for me is then looking at the pacing of what I'm rowing. I'm often looking at like calories per minute is a, a metric that I use often of figuring out how I want rowing to feel. And I figure out where my max is. So my max calories per minute is about 1600 to 1800 give or take. And so I then look to see how long am I going to be rowing? And I back off of that max, no different than if I said my maximum back squat was 300 pounds and you needed me to squat at 50% of that, I'd be squatting 150. So if I said, this is a very long workout, I'm not going to be uh, rowing at 1600 to 1800 calories per uh, hour. I'm going to be you know, pulling 75% of that or 60% of that. And so I will then start pulling it down to a thousand to 1100 or 1100 to 1200. And I just try to find a steady rate. It's because for me, it's always about that steadiness. Like what can you hold for what period of time? It takes a little bit of time to figure that out. Um, you know, so I guess I would in, encourage, you know, this listener to think about, you know, testing some of those and, and starting to see how they feel, you know, uh, 500 meters, which is typically around two minutes for people. Like how hard should you be pulling there? If you're doing a thousand meters, I think a very common test is 3000 or 5,000 meters. Like those are both things that you could test to see. Those are usually the three big tests I hear anyway, which is 500. Yeah, We we like doing that. We do like a 2k test. Yeah. That's the, that's the, we have a, um, a course called endless engine that I would, you know, if this user was interested, that would, also be something to check out. Um, we're actually, I think, launching it this week. I think finally is is actually when it's opening back up. So yeah, great timing. Um, the We teach all of the intricacies about, um, and this is like really geeky, but actually depending on the air density of where you live, um, it like, it changes where your damper setting is on the rower. Um, so like here at higher elevation, we actually have to add a little bit extra damper to get like the sweet spot of, of pulling tension, I guess you would say for maximum efficiency. Uh, we geek out about all of that inside the course. Um, but ultimately get your, get your order, like make sure that you, you're, you're opening the right things at the right time, uh, and closing the right things at the right time. 
try to watch that chain slap. And then, yeah, exactly what John was talking about, about just try to like the better you are at pacing and being able to maintain a pace. It's sim- it's a skill. Uh, I remember when I first started rowing, like I had, I would, I'd be able to like row fast for a few strokes and then it would dip way down. And, you know, like if you looked at my speed, it was all over the map, but when you can just hold steady, the same pace for a long time, that's a great sign that you're, you're rowing relatively efficiently or at least consistently. And I, the only thing I would leave this with is, you know, the reason why I think it's important to go to test these uh, distances that we're talking about is in most Metcons where you're going to be rowing, the difference between a really hard row and a moderate row where you can actually survive that workout, there's not a lot of time difference. Like a really fast 500 meter and a moderate 500 meters, typically 10 to 15 seconds difference. Yeah. And you'll, and so by, you know, maybe rowing more moderately, you're going to have more energy during the workout, you know, to do lifting double unders, gymnastics work, whatever else happens to be in that workout. Yep. And then if you go blow your lungs out, rowing as hard as you can for 500 meters and then realize then you got nothing left for the rest of the workout. So, mm-hmm. you know, test some of them, find some paces that work for you and, you know, uh, go buy all Ben's courses so he can retire early. That would be great. Uh, <laughs> and I can run a bigger, bigger battery. Yeah. Car. That way he can actually run a Tesla instead of that crappy little Fiat. <laughs> I don't get stranded next to some credit union and arrested for stealing power. So, <laughs> all right. Hey, they Look. still, they still people with fees. So, mm-hmm. okay. Uh, Robin hood. Yeah. Again, that's your, that's your opinion. Shouldn't you give an opinion thing there? This is my opinion. And uh, that's my personal opinion. That's my personal opinion. Okay. All right. So here's one from Sarah Denance. Love the podcast. This is more of a bail than scale question. These are my favorite. Uh, what advice do you give over the mental block of taking of talking yourself out of a workout. I'm doing Murph in a few weeks in Canada. We do it November 11th. I'm 55 and we'll partition the middle five, 10, 15 for 20 rounds. No problem, but we'll bail on the runs. Can't seem to get through them. I know I can do them, but I always talk myself into walking part of it. Would love to hear your take on this. Hmm. Oh, I, got lots I wonder of if the, I wonder if the reason that she's bailing it is because of the weighted vest. Do you I don't know if there was any context there or if it's just the running in general. Well, it didn't say, but I guess I would start by saying, I don't think you're bailing by walking during the run. No, personally. Like, I mean, if you're completing the mile, it doesn't really matter how you complete it. Like, yeah. you know, at that point, you, you know, you're arguing semantics of how fast you're going, right? Yeah. Like your runs much faster than mine. So you could, you know, mine would be considered walking compared to yours probably, but so it sounds like it sounds like she thinks or that she wants the run. She wants to run the entire yeah, yeah. time. Yeah. Is it kind of that kind of seems like that's like the intrinsic goal there. It's like I don't want to have to walk on the run. Yeah, it's interesting. She's defining it as a mental block. I mean, I have a couple of thoughts around it. Like for me, the mental block on the second run, which is usually the problem in Murph, is that your legs are too tired. And so for me to break out of that mental block is I would break out of that 5, 10, 15 for 20 rounds. Like I might do that for 10 rounds and then do something different along the way to to not to not blow my legs up. So there are, are other routines where you're doing fewer air squats in a row. Towards the end yeah, as well. So, yeah. So you're not so when you don't when you go out and do that second run, your legs aren't so tired you feel like you're gonna die. Like yeah, I've seen people last- front front load the squats pretty yeah. heavily. Where like they'll do something like a Cindy, like this is mentioning, and then like or or overload it where it's like five, ten, twenty, five, ten, twenty, yeah. and then at the end it's just like no more squats or very minimal squatting. 
Yeah, that would be the first thing I would think about doing is, um, you know, how do you do that front end, the squats, so you don't have as many at the end, certainly make it easier. Yeah. Um, you know, the other thing I think is maybe from a mental block standpoint, setting better goals for yourself or what do you want to accomplish in that second run? So if you want to yeah. do it unbroken, don't hold yourself to the same standard as the first run. I mean, I don't, I don't know what, you know, uh, what Sarah's run times are, but let's just say hypothetically, she runs an eight minute mile, right? Well, if you're on an eight minute mm-hmm. mile on the first one, most people aren't running an eight minute mile on the second mile. Maybe you need to, you know, set a better goal for yourself, like nine and a half minutes or yeah. 10 minutes or yeah. eight and a half. I don't know how good a runner she is, but I think a lot of times that mental block is just, what are your expectations and what are you trying to do? And then when it comes to Murph, I kind of tell everyone the same thing. Like I get so annoyed, so annoyed with this whole debate over, well, you don't RX Murph unless you, you know, do it unpartitioned and wear a vest. And I'm like, look, (laughs) you're just trying to recognize a hero workout here and recognize someone's sacrifice. However you get it done, you get it done. Don't worry about whether you're walking or running or wearing a vest or not doing it. You're trying to recognize someone's sacrifice. And so just go out and, you know, from a mental block standpoint, like, you know, maybe look at this one different and say, Hey, my goal here is to complete, not to set a record or to even to do it unbroken necessarily. And the original writing of Murph CrossFit HQ back in, I mean, it was very long time ago. The original writing said partition the uh, pull-ups, put pull-ups, pushups and squats as needed. It like literally says to partition them. (laughs) And then run a mile on each end. A um, couple things as well for this listener is to like, if you know, you have Murph coming up, I think it's nine days from now. Um, and we are going to be releasing this podcast on today. So I would say one of the best things you can do, especially if, if like running, just running in general is the problem, or maybe the weight vest running is a problem. No better time to practice than now. Like, even if it's just running a 400, like run a 400 today and then run an 800 at the end of the week, you know, just expose yourself because if you're like already dreading these runs, then the best way for you to not dread them is to practice. I think maybe that, you know, without knowing her story very much, it's like, if you don't run at all, hardly, then you're going to have some major issues and major anxiety going into something. You're like, I never do this. I can do it, but I never do it. If you just practice a little bit more, like imagine if you ran a a mile or two over the next nine days, that's probably more mileage maybe than you're used to. You're going to have no problems or you're going to have less problems because you're, you're exposed to it. You're like, Oh, this isn't that bad. Um, So I would just, I would just add in sprinkle in a little bit more practice. Um, And then, yeah, exactly what John said is like, don't beat yourself up. If you, do have to walk. If that is your goal though, if you're like, I am not going to walk on that run. I admire that. I think that's, that's fine. I, that's an admirable goal. Um, definitely take the first run. I imagine is less difficult for you than the second run. Take a little bit off of that first run. Don't run that fast, run it so that you run it. That's it. Um, take some time off of that one um, or add some time to that one so that Potentially, when you get to the second run, you're less smoked. And then also, like John said, is front load the uh, front load the air squats. And I think all those things considered, with a little bit more running volume and your practice leading up to it, I think you're going to be good to go. 
mental preparation is so hard. We talked about this on a few episodes ago. The only thing I would leave this with is if you're worried about, you know, this being about mental toughness, start telling yourself, I get to do this, not I have to do this. Like going into a run, like I, I told the story a few episodes ago, I was doing a workout and I was running ironically enough and it sucked. Like it was horrible. It was like a hundred rounds and 200 meter sprints. And at some point I said out loud, I get to do this, mm-hmm. which is something Scott Pancheck had taught me to do. And it changed my mental focus for the rest of the workout that I wasn't being forced to do this. I chose this activity. I get to do this. Like there are a lot of people that are begging to have, you know, the level of fitness to be able to get out and run and to do those things. And then you know, a lot of times that mental mind shift will make it easier for you. And um, so I try to do that when I, almost any time I'm running, cause I hate to run whatever that's worth. Yeah. So, I mean, I know this is kind of dark and deep, but like, that's whenever I'm having a pity party for myself about, like, especially like in a workout um, and I won't like mention his name or the specific mission, but like I, I lost a friend uh, in Japan um, when I was stationed out there. And uh, he was the reason we were friends because we always like trained together at the same time. Like we just like, Oh, what's up dude? Like, Oh, you're here again. Um, we had the same uh, Romalia weightlifters. Um he had the very bright yellow ones and I had the <laughs> black ones. Um, yeah, he was, uh, he was, uh, in the Navy. Um, they got bad gas. His plane went down. Um, and he was basically long story short is he's a hero. Um, and he no longer gets the chance to work out because he, you know, when they crashed, he died. And like, I still use it to this day, man. And I know it's probably like a little selfish, but at the same time, it's like, it's a sobering reality of like when you're sitting there having a pity party about like, Oh, I didn't, I, you know, I don't want to do this or, Oh, this is so difficult or, Oh, this is so hard. Like it's, it completely changes the game for me when I'm like, man, Steve would want to do this. Like, you know, like if Steve knew this was his last workout, like he, he would absolutely destroy this. Um, and it just like that, that shift of just like, Hey, like, shifted from the idea of like, what was me to like, I exactly what you said, like, I get to do this. Like how awesome it is that I'm, I'm still here. I'm still standing. I haven't had anything actually hard happen to me. Um, and this is my chance to, to like, sometimes you got to lean into that pain, man. Um, and yeah, anyway, so that's, that's what I do. The whole, I get to do this framework is definitely very powerful, especially if you have some contacts, like if you've, if you've lost anyone in your life, um, I bet, especially if they're a fitness person, it's like, I bet they wish they were there able to, to suffer there with you. So turn it in from a curse into a blessing. Yep. There you go. I can't top that. So let's move on to the next question. Uh, This one comes from aggressively average Greg. God, I love that name. So Greg, I've seen him on Instagram because his username is so perfect. It is perfect. And he has a question directly for you. He says, I've been doing squat holds like Ben talks about. What sorts of things can I do in a similar fashion to help my overhead squat? I'm having a difficult time getting the back, getting the bar back far enough and getting low enough. Okay. Um, so first thing for overhead squat is exactly the, what we're doing for the, for the normal squat. You can do that in your overhead squat. So if you take that barbell, put it overhead. I know that when you're just standing upright, you are able to pull the bar back behind your head um, a little bit. And that's, that's kind of like one of the, the big tips that I give people trying to stay balanced with overhead squats is if you just put the bar over your head, it's going to probably fall forward when your torso starts to lean forward. But if you put the bar over your head, 
and think about actively pulling it behind you, what it does is that helps sit you back down. It helps keep the weight in your heels a little bit more. And obviously we have a multitude of YouTube videos about this. Um, But just like we practice the squat holds where it's like get into your best lowest position and hold it. That's what we can do with the overhead squat where you put the barbell overhead, go as low as you can without losing balance, trying to pull that bar back and hold it for 10 seconds, hold it for 30 seconds. Like even if it's not full depth, even if it's not below parallel, you're exposing yourself to the end range of what you can do. And that's how you increase mobility is, is basically take a little bit of weight and expose yourself to that little bitty end range of motion where you feel like you're getting stuck. And the more you spend time there, the wider that range of motion will get. Um, so that's, that's what I would do with the, the, I can't squat deep enough part. Cause if you're working on your squat holds, then I know that your you know, hip and ankles are probably getting a little bit more mobile. You're feeling more flexible there. And then it, with the overhead, again, putting that weight overhead, forcing yourself to keep it overhead as you squat as low as you're able to and maintain, you know, balance. The other thing that you can do is, is do overhead squats with a bar or even a PVC pipe where there's something blocking it from being pushed forward. So I've done that before. We're like, I'll stand in a squat rack, like let's say a squat rack pull-up rig. And I have a PVC pipe and I hold it overhead and I'll have, I'll have athletes squat. It's similar to like the wall squat drill that I know Kelly Sturrett talks about a lot um, where you just like stand close to a wall, put your arms overhead and, and squat, which is another great drill. Um, I think he calls it squat therapy. If you look that up and just say squat therapy, that's a good thing, but I'll take that and I'll do it with a PVC pipe in my overhead squat position. So nice wide grip overhead, put an athlete in between the uprights of that squat rack and have them squat. And what happens is the, the, the bars of the rig prevent you from leaning, leaning too far forward. And they kind of pull that bar back naturally as you start to squat down, that can be another really good thing. We just need to Spend more time in the positions that you're trying to get better at. Do not take a lacrosse ball and jam it into your shoulders for 45 minutes. Do not take a Theragun and, you know, punch yourself thousands of times in the back or something. Like if it feels good, you can do it. But in terms of like actually increasing functional range of motion, doing the movement as far as you can with a little bit of weight, and then doing that more often and spending more time there, that's going to open up that end, end range of motion. I think those are great tips. I, I used to do the wall drill that yeah. uh, Kelly had us do. And that's a, it was effective for me. It helped because this overhead squats are bad for, have historically been bad for me, like most things. Uh, the only thing I would add, something we did over the weekend, uh, I went to CrossFit Texas. That was the workout you blew me off that you weren't there. Uh, I, had a, I had a relatively late evening. Yeah, you had a previous I was networking. You had a previous engagement with a hangover and I was um, networking. I wasn't hungover, I was networking. And I was up working out at eight in the morning and I went to CrossFit Texas and they did a great job. Really great, uh horrible programmed workout <laughs> that killed <laughs> really me. Really great, horrible. Workout. Yeah, the, actually the workout was programmed great. Uh my effort not so much, but it had a lot of wall balls in it. And so we were doing some air squats beforehand. And um Adam Clink, who was coach there, who uh, coached at uh, CrossFit Krypton with the Smith brothers was in town and he was coaching with them and he lives there now. But anyway, he's like, everyone take your shoes off. And we all took our shoes off and we did squat drills with the shoes off. So you could feel where your feet were, you know, mm-hmm. and it occurred to me, like I've done a lot of 
uh, shoeless squatting at home because it helps me with that. Like when my range, I feel my range of motion is bad. Often I'll take my shoes off. So I get a much better feel of, are my feet in the right place? Or, you know, where's the, where's the pressure, you know? And so that might be something to think of doing is, you know, occasionally squatting with your shoes off. Mm-hmm. Um, it was an interesting drill and it was fun watching everybody trying to get their shoes back on quickly. So, yeah. But hey, shoes um, back on, we're getting started in 10 seconds. Well, that's, like, kind oh of my God. What, that's kind of what happened. It's kind of what it was like. And then I got my butt kicked immediately following. Speaking of <laughs> shoes, how about us wearing the greatest shoe <laughs> together yeah. all weekend? Oh, uh, well, you know, so it's funny. Uh, so when I was at um, CrossFit Texas, I was wearing my Innovates and they're great, you know, and I think because I talk about them so much, people like sometimes people can identify me by the by the shoes, you know, and I'm sitting there putting my shoes on and a guy comes over. He's like, hey, do you have, guys have a partner yet uh, or do you have a partner yet? And I'm like, no. He's like, well, you can partner with us. And I'm like, all right. So I entered. He, they both introduced themselves. I'm like, hi, I'm John. He's like, oh, I know who you are. And I'm like, damn it. <laughs> I'm like, this guy's out to get me. Like, and he was like, this is like, let's destroy the meme guy. And they destroyed me, Ben. I was miserable. Good. So miserable the whole way. But man of look great. Good. There you go. And, and you know what? They held up these two sixties, dude. Well, we weren't going to talk about shoes today, but these two sixties, that workout had uh, 300 meter runs, 15 wall balls, toes to bar, 12 toes to bar. Uh, nine dumbbell snatches. So it was like a really varied workout, um, you know, both gymnastics running and squatting and, yep. and the shoes were absolutely the least of my worries. Like I wasn't, they felt great. You know, that was the only thing that went well in the workout were the shoes. Everything else was terrible. And your hair, your hair went really well. My hair did go really well. Uh, I definitely had low drag, but I wasn't running fast <laughs> enough to have high speed. So all right. Last question. This one comes from uh, Chocho Rostachu on Instagram. It says, hey, guys, listen to the podcast. I really enjoy it. I got a question, though. I recently took my level one and would like to continue preparing myself to become a coach. What would your advice be for me? Hmm. So advice. <laughs> I'm full of advice. Yeah, of course. That's why you have like eight podcasts, man. Yeah, exactly. You're you're an advice. You make it rain with advice. Um. So here's what I would say. As a former CrossFit gym owner, I loved it when coaches would show initiative and request to help in some way, shape, or form. Because right now, having level one is not anything that's particularly unique in terms of like, there's a lot of people out there who have their level one now. Okay. But first of all, congratulations for getting it. But you, your work is not over. Obviously, you can't just walk in. You, Gone are the days where you could just stroll into a gym and be like, I have my level one, please give me the floor. Um, (laughs) Instead, and those days did exist. um, Instead, now it is time for you to prove your competency and also by doing that work on your competency. So um, if you came to me as a former affiliate owner and said, hey, I really want to coach one day. Is there there any way that I can help with warm-ups? Like, is there any way that I can help coach warmups free of charge in the classes that I'm involved in or something like that? That's a great, like, first step. It's nothing crazy formal. You're not asking to be paid because I don't think you should be asking to be paid quite yet. Um, you're just offering to run the warm up because if you're anything like me, 
I hated doing warm ups. Like that's something like when I go to seminars, I'm like, can someone do the warm up? I'm not good at warming up, but I particularly don't really do it. And you know, I'm not good at, at coming up with like when I do warm up, it's very simple. So if you came to me and said, Hey, I'd like to help. I want to learn how to run a class and lead a class through a warm up. That's it. And then you can take over with the technical stuff. I'd be like, absolutely. That is a great idea. And can you come to all the classes? Um, you know, so if you go in with, with that kind of attitude, that's just one of many examples of like offer, say, tell them what you want, which is coaching experience. You want to get better at identifying and correcting uh, movement patterns. You want to get better at like leading a class, which is a very um, interesting leadership test. Like, can you control uh, 15 to 20 people running around like maniacs gossiping about the weekend? Um, go in and say, I would like to work on these things. How can I potentially do that for you within your gym? And I don't want to get paid for it because, or I don't want to get paid for it for now, because as a level one with no coaching experience, that is the best way I think to quote unquote, cut your teeth is to make sure that you get your reps in, you practice running classes, you watch the coaches, the best coaches at your gym. Hopefully you have a few best coaches. Um, you watch how they manage and run the class effectively. How do they stay on top of their timing? Like, what are they doing to run an effective CrossFit class? And if you're there as a helper to them or an assistant or a warm-up person, that is a great way to kind of get the behind-the-scenes look on how to approach it. So that would be my first steps is to make sure that you, you need to get some, some real-life on-the-floor coaching experience, and that's, I think, the best way to do it. Yeah, I agree with that. I, you know, I think coaching is no different than any other leadership position. I think the first thing you have to be is humble and ask questions, realize that you don't have all the answers uh, to your point. Like the level one is not, doesn't give you all the answers, but it gives you a good base. Like it's a base, you know? And so you should really be thinking going into this, you still have a lot to learn. And so, you know, asking the questions, um, and seeking out that information is on you. No one's going to give it to you. And fortunately, these days, there's a bazillion resources you can you can get. You know, it's it's funny. You know, back in my day, uh, you would have had to go to the library to get whatever you want. You can find anything you want to know in the world on YouTube now. Absolutely anything. It's all free to you. The world is free to you at this point. You know, and you can go out and pay for courses. There's obviously more CrossFit courses and certifications you can take and pay for it. And, and achieve. But I think asking questions and realizing you have so much more to learn and seeking out that is kind of the first thing you have to do. I would tell you mm -hmm. to find a mentor. So to your point, Ben, of like running a, a class for someone, like find the person you think you want to be to emulate that you want to emulate and, and ask them to mentor you. And I think you have to be really clear on your goals here, go to them and say, Hey, I want to be you. Like, I want to be able to do what you do. Can you yep you know, start leading and teaching me and walking me through this. And, and for me, really, the third thing is, you know, realizing you don't have all the answers. And so part of that solution is to start asking other members about their goals and objectives to start really understanding what the needs of a coach are going to be like um, the needs of classes vary greatly, but they're very similar based on type, meaning people in my age group all have, a lot of them have very similar needs and wants and, and they're different than someone of Ben's age, who's much younger and fitter and, and doesn't have all the aches and pains and starting to identify 
kind of what those trends are. So you can address that in your own coaching game. So when you are leading a class and you have someone Ben's age and my age side by side, you're going to be able to pivot very quickly to help both of those people. Um, I think it's where I would start. So, you know, for me, I could probably sum it up and just start asking questions and take notes. Like that's, um, best advice I can give you. And then, uh, you know, maybe the last thing is, you know, realize you're doing this because you love fitness, not because you're, you know, looking to get rich doing it because I'm on, I hate, I hope I'm not breaking this guy's heart, but you're not going to get rich coaching CrossFit classes. You know, you should be doing it because you love it. And, yeah. um, and I think most, of, most do, which is mm-hmm. like part of why we love CrossFit. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then another random thought I had that popped up while you were talking was another easy way, um, you know, like a easy, even cheaper ways. I don't know what their membership status is at a, at a local gym, but like, I know for me, like how I got started quote unquote coaching was I just worked out at a like Lobo gym or it was North Carolina States, uh, North Carolina state university's, um, rec center. And I just had a group of guys that are like, want to work out together. And then I became the de facto coach because I was the only one that cared enough to like go watch the videos um, that CrossFit would release with the workouts to say, here's what an overhead squat looks like. Here's what this looks like. Um, So one thing you can try to do is just maybe you have some friends and family that would love to be trained for free by you. uh, And then you can work out with them, but like, just like do some workouts with people where you are the one teaching them the information, Um, introduce someone to CrossFit and then, try to teach them how to do a front squat. That's going to be a really interesting test for you. Can you get someone who's brand new to CrossFit to front squat uh, or overhead squat or push press properly? All of those things. Oh my God, my dog just came in. She is so muddy. Whew. Try not to have a panic attack. Um, <laughs> so practice coaching uh, other people. She is covered in mud. Oh my gosh. This is so bad. Um, I wish, I wish, I wish audio was more of a visual thing. I know there's only like eight people that watch on YouTube, but just picture a dog that is so covered in mud. I'm looking outside and saying it is not raining outside. How did she find that much mud in my backyard? That's, that's, what, that's what they do, dude. That's what they do. Where did she find that? Uh, practice coaching other people, even if it's just teaching your dad how to air squat. You know, like that was like, I remember that was my first, first bit of coaching ever was teaching my dad how to do an air squat. And now he still squats great. So find some way to get some reps in. The answer is not just studying, right? You don't want to just study. You have to, with coaching specifically, you have to make sure you get real world in-person experience. There you go. Well, I think it's good. Good advice, Ben. So that's all our questions for the day. We'll give you some time back in your life to go wash your dog, which uh, sounds like your pup's a mess. Uh, At I would least say, I think she just went right back out the door, which is oh, good that she's perfect. not going to jump on my bed. So Good. Well, you can get out there and hose her down. Well, for everyone listening, a couple of things. Uh, send us your questions. We love answering questions from you guys and, and giving advice where we can. Uh, we are going to have some guests coming up. I know we want to um, – I've had a lot of people asking about uh, pregnancy training and postpartum, and so we're going to have someone on to help us uh, address that very, very soon. So that should be – a fun episode. And for those of you wanting to subscribe or, or to be, you know, more active listener in the podcast, there's a link in our bio, uh, actually on my Instagram page and the show's Instagram page. 
that will give you a quick link to all of the places you can find us, Spotify, Google, Apple, YouTube, everywhere we are. It'll just hit you there in one click. So, and Ben, that's thanks to Chris who did that for us. So it's very awesome. Nice. Love it. Uh, so that's all we got. You got anything to add before we sign off here? Nope. I'm just super excited to get back to normal reality, get some exercise in. Um, if any listeners are in the Denver area, I'm always looking to make friends. So hit me up. I am, you know, just roaming around gyms in the area, having a good time. And I'm actually home for most of November. So that's going to be exciting. And yeah, I guess the only other thing from a wad prep side of things is if you have, um, if you have any interest in joining our endless engine course, that's going to be releasing in the next couple of days to help you get better at running, biking and rowing. And uh, it's one of our most highly rated courses of all time. And we help basically our goal is to help you hit huge PRs in uh, you know, like your, your 2k row time or your 5k run time or whatever test we do on the assault bike. Um, and ultimately help you not be afraid of those modalities when you actually come into a competition or come into uh, a normal CrossFit workout. So it's I great. will drop that. If you send me the link, I'll drop the link in the show notes and I'll put a link in my bio so everybody can find it. So sweet. Awesome. All right, All right guys. For everyone listening, appreciate you guys joining us this week and we will talk to you next Tuesday. Peace.